Welcome to Pardon the Intermission, a podcast that takes a look at movies, TV, and all things entertainment from the past, the present, and the future. Remember to subscribe and like the podcast and give a review. This helps out the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Now on to the show. Yes, hey everyone, welcome to Pardon the Intermission. I am Eric. And I am Jason. Hey, we're glad you guys are with us today. Um, we got a great, we always have a great show, right? At least Every we time. think so. Every we think time. So. <laughs> we, 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 we aim for perfection. We, we strive do. not to disappoint. We Exactly, yes. exactly. So yeah, so we hope that you guys think it's a great show. We absolutely. think it's a great show. Yeah, but, absolutely, uh, yeah. We got, a, uh, we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Actually, yeah. well, kind of fun, but not fun for some people. Uh, yeah. First story out of the gate is uh, today uh-huh. breaking news. Actors are striking. What is going on here, man? Yes, Eric. So yeah, like Eric said, this is a hot news story, folks, because this is just this story just broke within the last twenty four hours. So yeah, let me tell you how I found out about this story just real quickly. So I'm sitting back at work. I have my feet kicked up on my desk, literally just kicked up on my desk. I have some downtime, and here I am just scrolling, looking for some content for us to discuss here on Pardon the Intermission. And all of a sudden, I come across the story on VarietyMagazine.com mm. about uh, the Screen Actors Guild going on strike along with AFTRA. Now, for those of you who don't know, the SAG obviously is the acronym for Screen Actors Guild, but AFTRA is uh, the American Film, TV, Radio Association Union. So for all the actors who are in television, film, radio, and and professional life theater, uh, that's their union. So these unions have decided to support the ongoing writer's strike, and they declared uh, as of yesterday, as of the recording of this date, which is today, July 14th, but as of July 13th, uh, the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA have decided to go ahead and declare a double strike. They join wow. uh, the members of the Writers Guild of America on the picket lines. And Eric, this is huge for a number of different reasons. And look, we've <clears throat> we've we've kind of touched on this a little bit especially a few weeks back when we um, discussed about the possibility of San Diego Comic-Con yeah, not yeah. being what it was supposed to be because of the writer's strike and how a lot of the actors and the writers and the producers weren't going to present at Comic-Con because of yeah, the strike. because of the strikes, yep. right. Well, now, you know what? Uh, this is just a cherry on the icing, and I don't say this lightly because mm-hmm. this is big. And so, again, it was announced on Thursday that uh, – SAG and AFTRA are on strike against the film and TV companies, uh, marking only the second time, Eric, in Hollywood history that actors have joined the writers on the picket lines. And again, this is coming from Variety.com, folks. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to post a link to this story on our Facebook page in just a few minutes, which, by the way, you can follow us on Facebook at Pardon the Intermission. And then, Eric, how do they follow us on Twitter? Twitter is PTI underscore podcast. Thank you. So we'll go ahead and post it on there as well. But in continuing this, uh, to quote from this story, it says here uh-huh. that the SAG after a national board held its meeting on Thursday morning and they voted unanimously uh, to approve a strike recommendation forwarded by the negotiating committee. Uh, Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, who is the chief negotiator of SAG after said during a press conference. So now is, is that person a, uh, that person is an actor or is he a lot of times all, well, this is what cracking me up because I didn't know at the time that uh, Fran uh, Drescher Fran was, Drescher. she is the uh, president, right? 
Uh, I believe she's a president, yes. Yeah, and uh, I was like, uh-oh, they're being uh, the nannies calling the shots now? Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And actually, to be honest so, with you, I thought this Duncan Crabtree yeah, Ireland was a golfer or something. Well, that's why I'm asking like who he is. I, I, don't, I don't recall <laughs> his name. I don't know who he is. But, yeah, she's a right. Screen Actors Guild president. Uh, right now, and so, uh, and maybe he is he involved with the uh, with AFTRA because she's just the SAG. Yeah, um, I'm not sure, but um, go ahead. Anyway, this guy, what was this Ireland saying? Yeah, so he was basically saying that, uh, and I quote him here when he says, "Union members should withhold their labor until a fair contract can be achieved." He told the room of SAG actors and journalists, "They have left us with no alternative." End quote. So what this what this has boiled down to, folks, is exactly what I was fearing the most. The studios and the <clears throat> executives of these studios are not capitulating to the writers. They didn't capitulate to the writers. And now that the actors have taken over, now what's happening is, okay, we have double trouble here. Mm. All right? So now what they're hoping is is that if the studios and the execs didn't take the writers seriously, now they're hoping that maybe they take everybody a little more seriously because the people who are responsible for making the studios as much money as the writers, i.e. the performers, now have gone on strike. And so now what this has basically turned into, Eric, is one large, giant, ugly staring match, and it's getting ugly really well, fast. Well, it, it is. And, and from, what I, from what I saw, there was another article, I think, in the Nerdist that was uh, Nerdist.com. Yeah. It was talking about... Uh, uh, what they were asking. Cause I'm like, what is What are they actually asking for? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's not just that they're just in solidarity with the writers, but right. it's also that supposedly they had, were negotiating some things. And I think it has to do a lot with, uh, AI generated content. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of background performers and also with streaming because they're not getting yep. the residuals, uh, uh, with streaming that, that they exactly would it. be get if it was like just you know on TV regular yeah. TV broadcast or in the movie theater right that's exactly um, it so yeah so there's some issues there it was interesting yeah. the the background one was kind of interesting because I guess what they were saying is that you know they can be a background performer but mm-hmm. you know you don't realize that a lot of times when they shoot these backgrounds you know people in the background yep they can take that which I guess would be kind of an AI <clears throat> trick take yeah. that background and then impose it into something else so the person gets paid once. For doing it, and, and usually for background performers, if I'm not mistaken, it's pretty pretty cheap. I mean, they're not it paid is. a lot of money, right? And then, but then they would be able to, like the studios or whoever has uh, uh, property rights to that content, would be right. able to just throw that or sell it or do anything they wanted with it, yep. make money off it, and then you know the performers that were there would not. Yeah, that's yeah. so. So that that was some of the things that that were coming up. Yeah, and they also, I guess, they negotiated. Uh, they they said that the negotiated deadline was actually supposed to be the end of June. Yep. They extended it a few more days, and I think the twelfth uh, was the uh, was the last was the extension, and then that was, was. And then that's when uh, Dresher came out right and said, yep. "It's time to <laughs> that's right strike. It's time to strike." Sorry. Oh my god! <laughs> sorry, sorry. I love the nanny. The show uh, years ago, I used I to watch. Hated it. The Did nanny. you hate that show? I hated the nanny just because I hated really? Fran Dresher's voice in that. Uh, in that well, show. that was the whole thing. <laughs> that was the whole thing, right? That was, it was her voice was kind of the whole show. I guess it was, it was you yeah. know. But and obviously, Eric, this has this has long lasting ramifications just beyond the residuals that the actors and the writers and the producers feel they are entitled to from streaming content. We're talking about major release dates for a lot of big box office films from studios being affected by this. Mm, so yeah. what this means and what and re, and incidentally Eric within the last 24 hours a number of stories I have seen on sites like variety.com and screenrant.com say that already a number of studios have already slashed 
release dates for anticipated movies that they're working on because they've had to shut down productions yeah. entirely. Yeah. And the only thing that's being done now is some of the movies that were currently filming while this strike happened, they've shut them down. But the only thing they're being allowed to do is do reshoots okay. of certain scenes. After right. that, that is it. Well, they also said, too, in this one article I was reading that like Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon, uh, that... A lot of some of those shows will not be touched because those those actors in uh, that are in European countries they're they're, they're under a whole different uh, set of rules a different union and everything else so they actually are. they could do a lot of stuff over there yeah. which is kind of interesting because if this goes on a little bit too long the studios may take a lot of that content over there and just start filming it with them which is actually going to hurt the actors here in this country even more. Well, right? see, I was thinking just the opposite. I was thinking that a lot of the actors might flock over to England. And other but they can't do that, right? Like, in other words, if, if, you're, if you're signed up with, with uh, SAG or AFTRA, mm -hmm. and most people, I think, are actually signed up with both, right? I mean, yes. that, that's usually the goal, right? Is when, you're, when, you're, when you're trying to become an actor and you're trying to get into the union, you want to get into both of them because that gives you a wide range, right? You can do theater, television, Correct. movies. Correct, yeah. Okay, so, but they can't, they can't do that. It'd be like crossing the line, wouldn't it, if they go over there and get work? Well, here's the thing. I would think that the studios wouldn't want them to shoot uh, in another country because this is all about the studios to begin with. So if the actors and the writers and the producers are picketing here and boycotting the studios here, why on God's good green earth would the studios just up and say then, oh, you're boycotting us, but sure, go ahead and go to go to Australia and go to England. Go and shoot a, a movie or a show at Elstree Studios or Pinewood Studios. Sure, you're boycotting us, but we'll let you shoot over there anyway. Yeah. And, and, because, and the reason I say the actors would want to go over there is because uh, if they shoot in another country, I would... Uh, if they're all doing it in unison together, that's not necessarily crossing the picket line, though, is it? Mm, and they no. haven't. I mean, they've set parameters for what they want, but I don't think in, in any of the articles that I've read here, they haven't necessarily said what would happen if any actors decide to cross the picket lines and go back to work. Yeah, well, if the yeah. studios would take them back, and that's it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a complicated it is question, yeah. multiple faceted lot, question there because a lot of moving parts. In this. Yeah, because yeah. we we don't really know, and I don't know how it works like that. In other words, would they be we seen right. Would they be seen as scabs, essentially not crossing their own picket line, but if they were to go work in another country yeah. while other <clears> actors <throat> are still out of work and striking, essentially, right? And then, like you're saying, what would the, the I, to be honest, I don't I don't think the the uh, the movie studios really care because i mean they just want to make the money exactly. so they don't care even if they if the actors go work over there but right. if they come back and if everything's settled i don't think they care they'll just, they'll just throw people back in right exactly but it's it just goes to show streaming has really caused a big mess and and mm -hmm. you know it really wasn't thought out well because people didn't know and it's yeah. kind of brand new still yeah um as to the effect that it would have on hollywood and and with yeah. writers and actors people to, that receive residuals yeah. for this kind of work and not a lot of people do i mean you know you got to figure probably what a very small percentage of uh people actually receive any kind of residual anyway I mean, yeah. mostly it's probably actors, to be honest, and and, and and your and your name actors. We're talking, you yeah. know, the it would be your lead, you know, your Tom Cruise's, your Nicole Kidman's, your those kind of actors. Uh, yeah. Everybody else yeah. would, you know, they probably don't really get like the the background actors and stuff. They don't get much, you know. You come in for two lines, you're not going to get residuals off it, that. Yeah, right? it would make me inter It would interest me to know, uh, like, if there's some kind of a tier system to determine who gets residuals and how much they get. Because you're absolutely right. Big name box office stars like the Tom Cruises, like the 
uh, like the the Benedict Cumberbatches, like the Robert Downey Chris Juniors. Pratt, Chris Pratt, yeah, Chris all Pine, these guys. yeah, I'm sure that they're in their own category. Even big to big name TV actors would would be the same, exactly. you know? Yeah, but, exactly. But, but if you're the guy that gets killed <laughs> on the you know on screen and uh, the oh. next NCIS or whatever, oh, you, right? mean like, you mean like Sean Bean who gets killed in every single production he does? <laughs> well, no, Sean Bean is like <laughs> that guy's a legend in himself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying that if, if you're if you're like playing the dead body and you know in the scene in, in CIS or something, oh, gotcha. I mean you're not you're yeah. not gonna be you know they're not gonna say oh right. well you were on screen for two seconds yeah it'd be interesting to find out I mean it, two it seconds does that equate to like half a cent or something what kind of residual do you get for the replays like, you know and the syndication rights probably just enough money to go to Applebee's and have dinner that same <laughs> night I, I don't, don't yeah yeah I don't even know if it's that much yeah <laughs> right you know but I mean, yeah but yeah Eric th- this is just really scary and I guess it's scary because it's also going to hurt uh, just the movie theater industry itself mm. it, because we saw what uh, an effect the COVID-19 pandemic had on the theaters and how the shutdown really hurt them well if this strike continues to linger on for the rest of the year and into the majority of next year and then and then the year after that which i don't think it will by the way but if this lingers on for an x amount of time again this is going to hurt the movie theater industry a lot yes you're right and they're kind of like the uh i mean it's just the fallout right from from the strike i mean they're going to get hit again they're the ones that get hit the most but yes but i will tell you i mean we've we've seen a lot of stories and we've talked about them where these uh these companies these studios are hurting I they mean, are. they're hurting bad too. So, you know, it's kind of this weird, weird time right now because you've got these, uh, you've got the writers and the actors and every, you know, basically it's it's around money. Yeah. And whether it's <laughs> distributed evenly or not, I don't know. I'm not in that industry. I'm not on that side. I can't say. But right. at the same time, you have the companies that are in serious trouble. I mean, Disney's in trouble. Warner Brothers is in trouble. Mm-hmm. They're, I mean, they're slashing <clears throat> projects left and right. Par- Paramount CBS has also slashed a number of content and yep. projects. Uh, Netflix has already announced a long time ago that they were cutting uh, their original production material by at least 55%. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's 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 affecting everybody across the board. This may be, you know, at the same time, you know, you're, you're saying you're worried about it. And I'm kind of looking at it as, you know what, this may actually be... In, in a way, there may be a silver lining to the cloud. I don't want to say maybe a good thing because it's not good at all. But mm-hmm. I think there may be a silver lining here. And we might be able to see movies like uh, we've talked about The Sound of Freedom, right? right that right. movie recently that's kind of blown away from, yes. what, from what I've seen, blown away indie. I mean, everything in the box office right now, except for maybe, you know, now that Mission Impossible got released, yeah. that's probably the only one that won't. But, yeah. but um, these indie movies... They might actually, the theaters might just say, hey, you know what? We got to put something in here. And it might be a chance for these indie filmmakers Mm -hmm. to get their (laughs) films into these theaters. I don't know. You know, maybe there's a, and I'm not talking maybe, even if it's more locally, uh, you know, even if it's a more local thing than Mm -hmm. nationwide release type thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it may be, and with digital content, you don't have to have the film anymore in in the uh, theaters, right? Right. So we can just (laughs) upload it to fire, you know, upload it to memory stick and then give it to them. Here's your copy. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then also, Eric, too, a, a lot of our cellular telephones nowadays have cameras and apps built into them that are so sophisticated you can make a movie on your phone. Oh yeah, seriously. Yeah. If you know what you're doing, you yeah. can make a high definition, standard, high quality movie on your phone if you know what you're doing in well, in 30 minutes. This may you know? bring, but this, this also <laughs> may bring Hollywood back to grounded, you know, back on right. its feet because I, I think they've been kind of flying around way up there, and and you can and just what we talked about these these yeah. studios are in trouble. <laughs> 
and honestly, let's just say it, they've put out crap content. There's a lot of crap content out there, since, especially since the pandemic. And maybe it was before we just didn't realize it as much. But now it's like we really see, especially these remakes. And yeah. we'll get into that too. But these remakes yeah. they have, it's crap. And so what I'm saying is that though, even if without a good filmed movie if you have the content if you have the writing there if you have the actual story that can pull people in yeah. they'll deal with a little bit of audio problems they'll deal with a little bit of you know bad filming you know what i mean yeah sometimes exactly. those even do i mean think about the blair witch project remember that years ago oh that was and a, how that took off i do that was a little movie that could yeah exactly mm-hmm. so my yeah. point is this is that this might be a, an opportunity for indie filmmakers that aren't attached to necessarily yeah. sag and after and, and all this the strike business yeah. to come out or if they have stuff that they've already filmed and just been waiting to find a distribution a way to distribute it yeah this may be a chance this and, may be a chance i mean that's how sound of freedom right it's kind of this little yeah. independent movie like you said that could yeah and it's and it picked up a lot of steam and is doing really good in yeah. the theaters right now and you know what i would actually cheer that because I, overall i'm just a, a movie fan in general and so i like a lot of independent films like for example el mariachi which was robert oh, yeah, rodriguez's yeah. first film a foreign film but a fantastic independent low 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 budget film that believe it or not Robert Rodriguez made for just the hefty sum of seven hundred dollars. Isn't that crazy? Seven hundred dollars. Isn't that crazy? So yeah, that exemplifies, I think, what you're hitting on there, and that how this could be a blessing and a curse, a double-edged sword, but also a blessing and a curse. Because yeah, this could spell the advent of more independent filmmaking, and also when you think about the big uh, comic book theme movies that are starting to tank and torpedo at the box office, mm. how that lack of creativity is now suffering with those films that could open the door well, for more independent filmmakers too. And, and, you know, and, and it's not to say there are independents, there is independent content out there. I mean, there that remember, I remember, I don't have cable anymore, but they used to have the IFC channel, right? The uh, yeah, independent film channel. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and there is independent, but you know, that's kind of been a closed group too, right? right. In other yep. words, you know, you kind of have to be in the group to make the independent film. So I'm saying it could be open. The other, the good point is that it could be just open broadly to a group of people now that yeah. have a lot of talent but just could never get that door open could get their foot yeah. in that crack in the door yeah you know and, and kind of push through so may i hope man i hope this is you know that this is something that that turns into good and right now, i don't know it, it's hard to say here's the deal who always gets hurt in these i'll just say this, this will be my last on this yeah. who, who gets hurt it's always the the like i said the background actor the guy who is just trying to he's he's waiting tables or he's working retail he's doing you know he or she they're just doing something to get to get by to get that next job yep. you know and they get paid a few bucks for it and they're you know they're trying to get in the industry and they're trying to keep working that's who it always hurts these people that are making millions and millions of movies it's not going to affect them at all and also it hurts set designers it hurts it hurts uh, craft yes. services that provide key the food grips. on it hurts key grips it hurts uh production designers it hurts costume designers center photographers or their their group there they have a whole they yep they do group and that runs yeah they do and then it also hurts um uh it also hurts uh the um uh what am i thinking of here not the not the publicist because they work for the actors but at, at any rate um. Yeah. The that's it's well, the, the marketing teams for yeah, these films. The, I mean, the marketing teams. Yeah. There there's a whole people don't realize. I mean, there, there's a whole group of of people that are involved. But at the same time, you know, I kind of wonder: is there is that the problem? Is there too much bloat in the industry now? Uh, no. Well, I mean, there's always been a lot of bloat in the industry. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. You know, and sometimes it seems like the the industry will or any industry, right? Uh, 
any industry, let's just say, but right now we're just talking about film actors. It seems like yeah. a lot of times, sometimes they'll have to go through a, a kind of a, a, a time when they start trimming all the bloat away oh, gotcha, to get yeah. back to being, you know, to making great content and being streamlined, uh-huh. you know, and getting it done. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is that time, you know? Maybe this is that time, and maybe this is that time for the studios to finally decide that old saying that goes, Eric, uh, where does the bottom dollar stop? And so maybe this is the time for the studios to finally sit back and have a really long, hard discussion about, okay, we are in an entertainment industry that makes money, but where, at what point, does, when do we get to the point where there comes a fine line between making a quality product that's going to make us money or just making money for the sake of sacrificing quality content. In other words, just going out there, making a lousy movie, distributing it. Disney. And then, yeah, Disney. And then knowing that people are just going to go either because of a brand name or because of a face or because of uh, the rumor mill. Or because of IP that they've had. Right, exactly. So in other words, uh, it's like someone is bending over, someone is bending over a dollar to pick up a dime. Yeah. And so that's what it seems like is happening right now. My final take on this, Eric, by the way, is that um, while this strike is unfortunate, uh, I don't think it's going to last as long as I predicted. I do okay. think eventually at some point one side is going to tip, but I, th- I think here by the end of the year, I would probably say by um, no later than the end of September, there mm. will probably be a deal in place because, look, again, this is an, an entertainment industry. They can only go so long with being out of work. And one of these sides is going to bend over and capitulate to the other. It's just a question of who is it going to be and when's it going to be. Yeah. I don't think this is going to. This is a strike that's going to last into next year or two years down the road. It'll get taken care of here within the next three to four months, I think. And, and you know, <laughs> I'll say that going back to the AI issue here. I mean, that's that's going to be a problem. That's, that's going to be an ongoing problem, problem, huge problem. For Have you seen this boy? For uh, what is that? <laughs> Have you seen this boy? What is AI, that? AI, artificial intelligence, Terminator Two, oh. the T one thousand. Sorry, I didn't catch the reference. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. But th- I mean, this is going to be this is going to be a huge, huge problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, coming up, just because I mean, they can almost do which we will talk about. You went and saw the Dial of Destiny. We're going to get into I that did. before we before we get out of here today. We're going to get into that review. We will. But that has a lot of AI. Most of their budget for that film, from what I understand, went to the AI. Yes. Uh, portion of that so anyway hey okay so um moving on here yeah, um let's chug you, along here you had a story about uh, bob Iger. <laughs> oh i yes. saw this too very interesting and i'm oh man i yes. don't know i'm i'm worried now okay so yeah eric the reason i posted this is because it left a very sardonic smile on my face because obviously you guys know that we've talked ad nauseum about how bob Iger decided to kind of come in and pick up the mess that Bob Paycheck, I mean Chapek, left <laughs> as the former CEO of Disney. And initially it was thought that Iger was just going to be there temporarily. He was yeah. going to be there for what, two years, three years? Yeah, about most? two years. About he's going to pick a successor. Got it. There you and go. And he's going to be out. Well, guess what, folks? Drum roll. Uh, his successor is Bob Iger. That's right. <laughs> oh, wait, here. Let's see. What, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, oh, no, wait. Wrong one. There well, we go. There we go. Right. Yes, that's the right one. All right. There we go. It's Bob Iger. So Bob Iger decided to extend his own contract, mind you. <laughs> he extended his... I wish his... I could do that, right? It's like, right? I, I, you know what? I've, I've just decided I'm going to give myself a raise. I'm the CEO. Right? I'm going to do Is it. Is that what they mean by job freedom? I guess, I, I yeah. I guess so. But anyway, so yeah, Bob Iger extended his own contract as CEO for Disney through 2026. 
So he's going to remain at the helm of Mickey and Minnie again through 2026, fulfilling a prediction from many uh, from many in the industry that he would not step down as CEO at the end of next year as originally planned. Mm. Eric, all right, I, I'm not even okay. First of all, I'm trying to wrap my brain around this because this is either one of two things. This either portends more doom for Disney down the road that Iger realizes. I, I think it does, unfortunately. Or it also means that Iger has just hasn't been able to find a successor yet. Or like we, there's another story we're going to talk about. We might as well throw it in here. Or it means that yes. he's going to prep Disney and get ready to sell it oh. and try to be the last CEO of Disney. Oh, I did not right? even think about that. Yeah. So wow. we we had another story just to kind of throw it in here. We had another story okay. too where um, there's always been rumors, but we had another story here uh, that talked about uh, that, you know, Bob Iger's always been, supposedly been friends, rumored friends with uh, Steve Jobs. He's always been really close with Apple, mm-hmm. what they do and all that. So yeah. there, there is rumor that, that Apple would could probably be the only company right now that could come and snatch up uh, Disney. Uh, to save it, oh so so that that's also another another part of that whole throw throw that on the rumor pile that he could be uh, prepping it for three years to get it ready to sell to uh, mm. Apple, <clears throat> um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I don't know if it would be a good or a bad thing. Um, I I, w- I would hate to see. Here's the problem: I'd hate to see Disney controlled by Apple. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I would say that well, I mean. What are they going to do? They they've they've really overextended themselves. They bought all this content. They they have no business, you know, in the business of owning everything, really. Right, exactly. Eric, my take on this is if okay, so my, my take on this is I do think that this portends more uh, doom for Disney, and I think this is Iger finally admitting, okay, I stepped in a little bit over my head more than I realized. And because obviously it makes sense when you think about it, because if Iger really felt that Disney was a, a healthy company and that was, it was in a good place to where he could leave at the end of the year, yeah. this would not have happened. So it's only logical to assume that this is just him admitting, okay, the, this is a little bit worse of this company's in worse shape than it was when I thought it was and when I took over. But also um, my, my, my take on this as well is that um, I, am, I am hoping to God that Disney does not cave in and think about selling out to a tech company like mm. Apple. Here's the thing. Apple does three things very well. They make very good technology products, i.e. phones and tablets and laptop computers, mm. which were called MacBooks and PCs. They do an outstanding job of marketing those products. They are the best company on the market at marketing their products. Number three, they do an outstanding job at creating multi-adaptive technology used by a lot of people in the film and the audio industries to make their products. Yeah. But Eric, Apple doesn't know, pardon my word phrase here, people, Apple doesn't know dick about making movies and about making well, entertainment. Well, they do have Apple TV. The, uh, but, but Apple TV is different, Eric. Apple TV is a platform that's used to showcase entertainment. Yeah, they but, they but, only but provide they the some, platform. But I will say they do have an and they, I, To be okay, honest, they did I, do, I don't... They did do Ted Lasso. I'll give you that. <laughs> I was going to okay? I, was they do, I knew do, you were going to say Ted Lasso. No, you? no. You know what I was going to say is that they do. <laughs> yes. They do kind of like uh, okay, same yeah. as Amazon. They do have their own content on Apple. Okay, TV, I stand right? corrected. Yes, they do. Doesn't mean it's all good or it's good or anything. It's right. just they do have it. But think about that. They're already set up. I mean, if they engulfed Disney and they took over Disney Plus, I mean, it's all right there, right? Yeah, it's all right there. But I mean, Eric, this is. I mean. 
Okay, here's the thing, though. Okay, if uh, I kind of view this from, uh, I'm gonna draw a sports comparison here. Okay, and the reason why, Alrighty. just just pay, just stay with me, folks. Sure. The Los Angeles Dodgers were once owned were once a family owned business, and they sold the family that owned the Dodgers were the O'Malley family. They sold the Dodgers in 1991, I believe it was, to Rupert Murdoch. I'm sure you've all heard of that name, mm-hmm. and Fox Industries and Fox News, Fox Corp. Uh, to Rupert Murdoch for then what was a record, I think, um, $3.75 million or something like that. During Rupert Murdoch's ownership... 3.7, oh, it had to be more than that. $375 million? Something like that. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I missed a couple of numbers there. <laughs> but the point is, is that when, when the Dodgers were owned by Murdoch in his 20-plus year uh, ownership of that team, he torpedoed that team to the ground, mm. gutted their payroll, did not do anything to invest in the long-term success of the team. How does that compare to what I'm thinking about with Apple here? Is my fear with Apple is they're going to buy Disney, but they're going they're either not going to invest money the way they should in the in the company or they're going to use it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Exactly the way Rupert Murdoch did. Mm-hmm. And I just I'm sorry Eric, I just don't have faith that Apple's CEOs are going to be able to run Disney any more well, responsibly than what they're being run right now. I will say that. No, but no, I will. I will say that Apple, that's the other, the fourth thing Apple is really good at is squeezing a dime out of everything they have, getting Damn the most. right. Which is not necessarily good for the consumer. No. But I mean, I have I have Apple products, and trust me, they know how to squeeze a dime out of you. When was the last time Apple had a sale on their products? Um, let me think about this. Never. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, you can find yeah. stuff on Costco sometimes pretty cheaper. But anyway. <laughs> way to go, Costco! Way to go, Costco! But but no, but but what I'm saying though is that they yeah. do. They know how to squeeze money out of out of every last out of every last IP. They'll get the most out of it. Now that may not be the best. What's happening right now with Disney? Now that's just all rumor. Let's just go back to that. You're that's right. all rumor. All rumor. But what's happening right now with Disney yeah. is that they have all this IP and they keep. Throwing, I mean, they keep destroying it themselves. It's like I was telling you earlier yeah. how somebody had made the comic, uh, comment that Disney is allergic to money now because it's like they can't do anything. A lot of these things should be home runs for them. Right. And they can't, everything is failing. It's failing at the box office. Everything mm-hmm. is that they're putting out. I mean, people are just are, are tired of, of junk, like we talked about with the strike and stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, and the content just getting real, real lazy and, and bad. You know, I mean, it's the sure. same thing. Yeah. Disney's, Disney's a big, big culprit of that. <clears throat> Yeah. Okay, going back to Iger though. Yeah, I mean, think about this though. The people people are leaving that company. I mean, the CFO we talked about on the show. The CFO had just fled. Like, said, Bye-bye. see ya. Oh, I have health. I got health stuff to do. See you later. I'm out of here. Right. So, I mean, there are there is definitely. I think this is. I think this is the Titanic. They've hit the iceberg, and uh, mm-hmm. the band's playing on the deck right now. And they are. I don't. I don't know. You know it. I mean, everybody's heading for the lifeboats. They're getting the heck out of there. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I don't know if Iger... I don't know what his reasoning for extending is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not really happy to see... I don't think Iger is the person... If if Disney was going to remain an independent company, I do not see Iger to, to take this thing forward anymore. A lot of the ideas that failed... Um, we blame Bob uh, Chapek. It was... Yeah. But they were started under Iger... And and Chapek came in, and he was just following through. Some of them were were his. I mean, I'm not going to give put them all on Iger's shoulders. Some of them were were Chapek's, but uh, a lot of those were Iger right before he left. And uh, and so you know they were just being they're already implemented, and they were just being put into place. What surprises me the most about this actually is the timing of this. 
Okay, if Iger decided to make this announcement uh, towards the end of the year, right when his contract was going to expire, then there would probably not be as much speculation about it as there is now. But the timing of this is what's unique, because like you just alluded to, their CFO stepped down less than a month ago. Yeah. And they've also lost a couple of other chief executives and creatives within the last two to three months. So the timing of this is what is very, very suspicious. And again, his contract is due to end at the end of this year. If he had made this announcement like uh, a month before that contract expires, then we kind of maybe use a little bit more subterfuge to talk about it. But to me, the timing is what's really well, unique. And, you know, there could be, a, I mean, there's a lot, probably a lot of stuff behind the scenes that nobody even knows about. Now, at one point we talked about on the show, right. too, there was going to be a corporate takeover. I can't remember the name of the investor, but there was a huge investor that was trying to do a whole takeover of the board. If you remember, I do, yeah. um, and trying to get you know control yeah. of the company. So maybe yeah. this is part of the reason. Could Another be. reason too is that it was funny. I was just watching a guy today talk about that. He was like, "If you bought Disney stock for the long term back in the day, <laughs> oh, it was a hundred dollars a share, you know, like ten oh, years ago. And now, Ooh, guess what? You've lost a, lost lot, of a money lot of money because yep. it's like seventy six or eighty or some dollars. So the other reason yep. too is that maybe he's trying to." trying to anything he can trying to basically use the paddles you know as far as a, a, a zap in the chest of disney to try to get the heart beating again and try right. to get that stock price back up now this is a new quarter though it is true this is a new right. quarter but you know i don't know man i mean he he may just be trying to do anything he can to try to get some life into that into the stock and back into the company um so. and, and that actually makes a lot of sense because i mean from from that standpoint you're not going to step down as CEO of one of the most powerful uh, companies on the globe while it is still struggling, both financially and creatively. And plus, if you do that, then you're just setting up your successor for eventual failure because he or she may not know how to pick up the pieces. Mm. So that does make a lot of a, a lot of of uh, a sense for him to stay on from that standpoint because obviously he would need to continue to oversee whatever it is uh, they're doing. Um, now I know that they've made some moves too, and, and we didn't talk about the other. We haven't talked about the other story, uh, but we had a story about that they had gotten rid of their DEI officer, their diversity, equity, and inclusion, equity and inclusion officer. Yeah. And not only them, a lot of studios were doing that. And I, and I think what's happening is that people are finding out these studios are finding out in these corporations that they can't deal with um, the public at the same time and try to keep up with these ESG score right. stuff. You know. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I don't know. You know. Iger's in a very interesting position because he can't go on forever at the same time. And Disney can't either. I don't know if he's the guy to take it forward. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he had this legacy that he, you know, when he walked away from Disney, when he retired, right, he had this mm -hmm. legacy that uh, <coughs> he was put up on a pedestal. Yep. He may be the guy now known as the guy who crashed Disney, you know, crash and burn. You talked about the stock options just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Looking at this article here. It says Disney's recent travails have been reflected in its stock price, which was approaching the $190 mark in early 2021. But yep. Eric, in just the span of two years, has traded under $100 since March. And for the year-to-date, Disney shares are down 14%, wow. closing this past Wednesday at just $90.15. Wow. wow. That in the, now, look, I'm not a numbers guy, but that doesn't sound very good to me. No, I mean, that's just simple math, right? I mean, right. you know. That's a pr pretty precipitous drop there. Yeah. A really, yeah. really bad. And it's crazy because, you know, uh, people in, in there. 
you would say Disney, you know, you buy Disney stock, you're set. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, that was the gold, golden goose right there. It's like, okay, yep. you know, Disney, you can never go wrong with that. And that's why it was so high. Right, exactly. Um, but, oh, my gosh, can you imagine? It just, I mean, people, yeah, people are having fits. Like I said, we don't know so. what's going on behind the scenes, but, uh, <laughs> man, he, he, oh, man, his legacy could be torched with this. I don't know. Uh, it could be torched with Because this. here's the problem. We thought things would change when I got excited when Iger came back. I and, did, you know, too. I was like, I, yeah. I was the guy. I was on the, hey, Iger bandwagon. Yeah, he's back. Things are going to change at Disney. Well, guess yeah. what? They really haven't. They've got, yeah, they've gotten worse. Here, here it is right now, right? Nope. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's how we feel about Iger right now. And, yeah. and I mean, you know, it's kind of yeah. like, I don't know if, that's why I keep saying that. I don't know if he's the one to push it. They really need some kind of new vision in there, some kind of new blood to take this company forward and, yes. into, into a new era and, and save it. You know, right. So anyway, I need to pick the brain of a, a kindred spirit of mine who I met a long time ago, actually through work. His name is uh, Rob. He's one of our listeners, I believe. Hollywood oh, nice. Rob. He likes to go Hollywood by Hollywood Rob. There he, you used, go. he used to work in the Hollywood industry. So Rob, if you're listening, I'm going to reach out to you via Facebook Messenger and pick your brain about this because I want to know what you have to That'd say. That'd be interesting this. to find out. Well, yeah, we, we you can go over it next time and and we'll find yeah, out right? what, exactly what, uh, what he says about it. Exactly. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, but uh, we we got to go. We're running way over time, but right. I just want to I want to get to this because it's important um you went and saw the dial of i call it dysentery but you went and saw the dial of destiny dun, indiana dun, jones dun, five dun, dun, dun. yes i did so while you and your family were out gallivanting around having yes. fun at mickey and minnie's at disney uh, yes. so as it as it so happens uh my family and i went and saw indiana jones and the dial of destiny last week okay and obviously i was really geeked to see this because i am a huge indiana jones fan yeah a huge george lucas fan in general and so i was excited to see this, especially given the sour taste that um, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull put in my mm. mouth after I saw that movie. Um, now, I will say this, just uh, being com- a completely transparent guy. On a scale of 1 to 10, the Dial of Destiny probably ranks about a 6.5. 6.5, which is not bad, but it's not great. Mm. Okay, look, is it better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Yes, it is. Is hmm. it the best indie film? No, it is not. There are some wonderful elements to it. Um, as much as I thought I would love Mods Mickelson as the main villain in the yeah. movie, because oh I yeah, because lo- you, you talked him up, you yeah. I mean, you couldn't wait to see it. Yeah, I love him as an actor. He's a yeah. fabulous we actor. We both did. Yeah, he makes yeah. a wonderful villain. I did not like him in this role. Really, he comes back and plays uh, another German slash Nazi, and uh, the whole obviously, as you might imagine, the plot of the movie centers around uh, indie. Uh, um, AKA Harrison Ford uh, looking after this, this tablet or this dial that becomes a dial of destiny. And what this thing is supposed to do is it's supposed to basically alter, not alter time, but it allows you to slow down time and even go back into time at certain points in history. Okay. Now it's interesting, Eric, because the movie opens up taking place in the 1930s which is when the first three Indiana Jones films took place. And so what the industry had to do was de-age Harrison Ford and take him back to when he was in his late 30s, early 40s, when he shot the original indie films. And just to be completely honest with you folks, I thought the aging process on Harrison Ford was fantastic. I mean, you couldn't Mm. even tell that it was done digitally. It was that great. Now, let me ask you this. I've heard a lot of people, I haven't seen it myself, I've heard a lot of people talk about this de-aging. Yes. But what did you think about you know, did something, did it look okay to you? Did it, you, as far as the, you know, him looking younger, yes. But yes. as far as that part of the movie, yeah. did it seem kind of odd? Didn't seem like it was him. I mean, what, 
because I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I want to get your 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 take, and then I'll I'll tell you yes. what other people have said. The answer to that question is yes, and I could hear it in his voice because mm. Harrison uh, ages just like anybody else, and as he's aged, he's talking like that. Exactly. Yeah, his voice has become a lot heavier, and it's become a lot more lethargic, and it doesn't have quite the, the same pep. the pep that he had in yeah. it before. And so I could definitely tell that. And then also in the way that he moved about Mm. in certain scenes, he didn't quite move with the same gusto that he did back in the day. Now, they used a body double. Did they use a body double on that? To to the best of my knowledge, they did not. Obviously, they had a stuntman, and they had to do the same thing with a stuntman than they did with Harrison because he's in his 80s. He's no spring chicken anymore. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, so that opening scene is probably the most controversial as well because there's a lot of controversies about de-aging, which we'll get into at a later time. And then that was, uh, but, was that uh, the 20, 40 minutes into it? Was that whole scene? It was that whole scene. And what it yeah. does is it sets up the main plot of the movie, which is him looking for the dial of destiny because you can't just open the movie with him be- teaching in a classroom and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, dial of destiny, I want to go look for that. Yeah, they, there's got to be a reason. Yeah, there's got to be a reason why he has motivation to still look for that and so that scene that whole opening montage sets up the whole what eventually becomes the whole plot of the film but uh there were some wonderful action scenes in it i thought the sound was fantastic it got really really corny at the end and for those of you (laughs) cover your ears spoilers spoiler alert spoiler alert he goes all the way back to uh ancient greece he gets transported back into time in ancient Greece and tells uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge or whatever her name now that, is. Now, now I'm sorry. Now that, that's the whole thing about this. This Dial of Destiny yeah. isn't it made by uh, Archimedes, right? Ba- made by Archimedes. And so yes. yeah, so that's why he's he goes back to a certain time because I've read I've, I've yes. seen some of the plot points. So he goes back to this certain time. Uh, in in history, and initially, what happens is Mods Mods Mickelson's character wants to use the dial to go back in time to assassinate Adolf Hitler. To kill Hitler because he wants to take over. Um, he so wants the, to take over so Nazi Germany. So the Nazi Germany. regime can win. The so war. the Nazi regime can win the yeah. war, and so that they can ultimately uh, live up to Hitler's vision of world conquest. And when he doesn't do that, and when they get bumped back to ancient Greece, that's when the plot really gets corny. And that's when he actually meets Archimedes and uh, all that other stuff. And that again, that's what, where. What war was that? What war was that? Not was it Peloponnesian? Peloponnesian? No, no, no. Before uh, that, it was um, uh, the Battle of. Uh, uh, begins with the letter O, I forgot. But at any rate, uh, yeah, it did get corny there at the very end, so yeah. it lost me there at the end. Uh, again, not not the greatest, but it's also not the worst. It was fun. Let me just say this. I didn't come out feeling disappointed. Okay, interesting. I'll put it that way. Well, here's the deal. I, I'm really, I'll probably see it streaming. I really don't want to see it, to be honest. I mean, okay. I bought the, as you know, I showed you a yeah. while back, I bought the DVD set. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and, and even though it has that the crystal cool skull set. on it, yeah. I, I just want the three movies. That's well, all I want. And that's, yeah. that's all, to me, that's Indiana Jones. Yeah. I don't, these other two, I'm like, eh. Well, good. I wasn't going to invite you to go with me anyway, <laughs> so there you go. Well, no, 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 but I'm just saying, you know, it's like, I, I just, what it, I, I've heard a lot of things about this and it doesn't sound good. Here's the deal. Yeah. Okay. You're, going back to what I was saying, yes. A lot of people complained about that, that when they de-aged him, the, the yeah. fact is, is that, People didn't realize that Harrison Ford, a lot of his acting is his body. He acts exactly. a lot with his body. He's very a very physical actor. Yeah. I mean, that's why you'd hear, like, in every film he had, especially every indie film, mm-hmm. he was, like, either breaking this or he, you know, he had or he messed that up or Bruises he had to have and surgeries bumps. and this and all kinds of stuff <clears throat> Yeah, in, in every movie. So um, that that's why I heard that. It looked very kind of odd that, yes, it was him, you know, the de-aging, but it just it wasn't him. You know what I mean? It just yep. wasn't. It didn't quite match up. So that what you kind of said actually kind of uh, uh, kind of lines up. Prove that. that lines up yeah. with what what I had heard. 
Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of glad. I guess I'm kind of glad to hear that it wasn't worse. I it wasn't as bad as as you it, know. It really is. What about the Phoebe, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge character? I hear she's really annoying in this thing. She is. She okay. is. She is so damn annoying. I could not stand her. Let me just say this: the movie could have done without her. Mm. They could have found somebody else to put in there. To serve as kind of like because a, it was almost motivation. like. Let me ask you this: They said that her character was almost like she was always talking down to Indy. I mean, she always knew everything. She was, you know, this and that, and and that was really put off. The audience was really put off yeah. by that. Well, her relationship to Indy in this movie is that she is his goddaughter, yes. and she is uh, the daughter of one of Indy's former colleagues, who is pl- played by actor Toby Jones. And if you don't know who Toby Jones is. If you saw Captain America, the first Avenger, he was, um, he was, uh, what's his name? Um, I I can't think of it right now. uh, Yeah, but he was in Captain America, first Avenger. Toby Jones has been in a lot of really good projects. And so she in the movie is his daughter. Okay. And his character's name is Boz. And so when he passes away, he lets her daughter know about the Dial of Destiny. And so she kind of. But he's a character we haven't seen before, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to set all this up. (laughs) And hence the the opening scene because Toby Jones is in that opening. See, scene. See, for some reason, I, w- I was under the impression originally, and this was before, not not recently, that no. uh, she was the goddaughter, or she was the daughter of uh, what was the guy that was always Marcus Brody? Yeah, Marcus Brody. Dead I thought it was Elliot. Marcus Brody's daughter. Nope, nope. She is uh, the she is the daughter of this one other character. Oh man, see, it's boss, like why do you have so. to bring all these like and then also, hey, my best friend that I've never that we've never seen in the movies, right? Exactly. Here's the deal, and and I've heard people talk about this. Not my idea. I th- I th- but I think it's a great idea. And we've talked about it before, too, in, in a roundabout way. They should have just put Short Round in there. They should have had Indy Heard. got into some trouble. Right. He was going on one last adventure, but he got into some big trouble, and Short Round comes in right. and saves him. I mean, that would have been awesome! And then bring all the characters that they can back, you know, that were involved, and all the beloved characters. Right. Come on. I mean, Sala, that's great. They had him in there. They had him in but, there, But, yeah. you know. And then uh, I hear that uh, Antonio Banderas is in there for like two seconds. Not two seconds. He's in there maybe 20. No. <laughs> He's like, oh, Indy, my good friend. I can't do his accent. Yeah. But, you know, he, the Antonio Banderas accent. Yeah. Ba- Banderas is, only, is in the movie, but he's only in it for like maybe a total of, I would say, 30 to 40 minutes. Okay. And, oh, well, he's in there a while then. Yeah. Okay. He's in there for a little bit, but he's not the main focal point of the film. So, yeah. For those yeah. of you Antonio Banderas fans, hate to burst your bubble, but... Yeah, he's not a main star in this. Puss production. in Boots is only in there for Puss in Boots for yeah. thirty minutes. <laughs> aye, 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 aye. Yeah, it was a last wish, and I guess yeah, Robert Rath is his last wish. <laughs> yes, right? it was. Uh, he but, didn't make it out. So yeah, if you folks decide to go see it in the theater, um, it's it 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 is worth seeing in the theater. But again, it is also one movie where if you decide to do something else on a Friday or Saturday it's not gonna, night, it's you're not going to exactly you're not going to miss seeing it on the big screen. Precisely. Yeah. Okay. Precisely. All right. Well, that. Thank you for that honest review. I mean, you're well. well hey, I'm an honest guy. <laughs> I know a good movie when I see one. Darn it. Uh oh. Hey guys, that's all the time we have today. We oh, hope you enjoyed right. the show. Always check us out on our uh, social media. Right. Let us know if there's any ideas or anything you want us to cover. Uh, it's at uh, Twitter at PTI underscore podcast and and on Facebook at Pardon the Intermission. All right. Hey you guys, take care out there, and we'll see you on the next one. God bless. See you on the flip side. Peace out. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now, I want you to go check out one of the other best podcasts around. It's called the No Focus Radio Hour. It has comedy and insight from the greatest minds in the know. And how do I know? Well, because I'm part of that great show also. 
So please go check it out. It's available on all your podcasting apps. The No Focus Radio Hour.